What's up, everybody? This is Sydney, and you're listening to Friendly Fire. Welcome back to Friendly Fire. Y'all know me. I'm Sydney, and it's your boy D. Glasper. Um, we're gonna kick off today's show with uh, uh touching on the games on Sunday and what we found interesting on you know how they played out. Um, and of course, going over the four games we did pick uh, against the spread, uh, seeing how we fared uh, in those regards. Um, let's start with Saints Lions. Uh, okay, uh, so that game was the first game this season that the Saints looked dominant. Like they looked like the team that I think people thought that they were coming into the season. Um, defensively played well, were able to turn the ball over. Um, offensively played really well, you know, had a had a really good game uh, from Emmanuel Sanders, had a really good game from, uh, from Traquan Smith. And so just, you know, finally got to see um, some people contribute that were not named Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Drew Brees, um, which was great. Um, so uh, it was fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the Lions are, you know, sitting there yet again. Um, I think we talked uh, a little bit earlier in the season um, when I gave my predictions for the year, you know, I said, you know, the Lions should be, a tough team. I didn't think they were going to be good. I thought they were going to be the worst team in the division, but I thought they were going to be like a, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight type of bad. Um, and uh, they look to be worse than that. Like they just seem to be a little bit worse than everybody they, that, that they've seen, that they've come across so far. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do moving forward um, on yet another struggle season under Matt Patricia. And I looked at this game a little differently. Uh, when I finally uh, got a chance to sit down to watch the game, we were already down 7 nothing, and the first play I saw was the pick six. Um, a horrible start, and I said it right then, if it was against any other team, they would have ran away with that game. Whoever the other, if it was almost any other team, that game would have gotten out of hand right there. We would have never recovered from it. So I partially want to give credit to the Saints um, because, like you said, we saw some other players getting involved uh, in our offense. Patrick Robinson, uh, PJ Williams, they played really good games, uh, and I had no confidence in either one of those guys. Um, but Detroit, first of all, their coaches have to go because they have talent. They have the personnel, but if you just, if, if their defense is always going to be, we're going to sit back here. We're not going to blitz. We're not going to send no pressure and we're going to play man to man. They're going to get eight up all game, every game, regardless of who you playing. But when you sitting across from Drew Brees, you know, it's going to get taken to another level. And that's when you see, what, 35 unanswered points? So um, 
the coaching on defense and on offense, because when you look at it, Matthew Stafford, that's a good quarterback. Um, yeah. Having Kenny Galladay, I like Hawkinson. You got DeAndre Swift in your backfield. You got yeah, Amendola, and, who was who was an older player, but he's he's given them a lot over this year, this past year. And then you got uh, Marvin Jones still. And please Allen do not there. please do not forget Father Prime, uh, Adrian Peterson out there still playing really really well. Yeah, um, which, is, which is definitely which he's he's giving them an opportunity to have a consistent run game for the first time in years as well. Yep. But the offense seems very vanilla and very basic for a quarterback as good as Matthew Stafford is. And then, like I say, if you're only going to play man-to-man on defense, then that's, you know, you're going to get killed. Yeah, and then the problem is you look at their schedule and, you know, next week at Jacksonville, they could probably win that game at Atlanta. Who knows with what Atlanta <laughs> – you you don't know. Uh, probably they could probably come back in the fourth quarter in that game. So maybe you got two wins there. Colts is probably a loss. Vikings a loss. Redskins that's a toss up. At Panthers that's a toss up. Uh, Texans they could probably get that one. At Bears loss. Uh, Packers loss. At Titans loss. Uh, versus the Buccaneers loss. Home versus the Vikings probably a loss. Yeah, so like they, their schedule is not very favorable moving forward, um, and of and of course their division isn't either. Right, and saw them going into the season as a seven and nine, eight and eighteen, and being the worst in their division. You know, so that speaks yeah. on how and, the division is. Yeah, and and you know, I I um that division like it's, it's gonna be it's gonna get worse. So I don't think this is gonna this might be a five win team, six win team this year um and that's unfortunate because i thought they would potentially take a step um especially you know last year stafford not being healthy and team not really being healthy um you know you could give somewhat of a pass but uh, for them to not be seeming to take the step this year um just that's disappointing a little bit and once I'm, I'm not a Detroit fan, so it's easy for me to not get too wrapped up in what it is they have going on. But I'm, I'm also not ready to give up on them yet, just because, for one, like we keep saying, they have the talent, um, and for two, they're one and three right now. But the way the NFC East looks, ain't nobody coming out of the NFC East but the winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have uh, San Francisco being two and two and seeing so many injuries right now. And then you have uh, a Panthers team that is two and two as well. So there's room if they can, like you say, their next two games are Jacksonville and who'd you say? Jacksonville and Atlanta. Jacksonville and Atlanta. If they win those two games, they're right back in three and three. And then you hope that. If they if they can get to three and three, that means that they've made some changes. Because even against a bad team like Jacksonville and a bad team like Atlanta, um, 
it's going to take changes in order to even beat those teams because Atlanta will go out there and dice up Detroit's defense easily. Um, and the way Gardner Minshew has been playing, he'll go out there and do the same. So if they make it to three or three, that means that they have made some changes and then hopefully momentum can can take them forward from there. But as of now, man, uh, that team is underperforming tremendously. Absolutely. Um, so uh, the next game uh, that we want to talk about is what? Let's do uh, Browns. Cowboys. Okay. That was a, that was a good one. Um, Every world. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's so crazy for you to, you know, uh Jerry Jones does not care about anything. Oh <laughs> that stadium was full to capacity, it felt like. Um in the middle of this pandemic uh, in a season where we have already had enough coronavirus situations uh, across the NFL to start giving people some pause about how much longer we should probably be playing this season. <laughs> um, and for him to have a stadium full of fans, uh, I, I just, that was, that was one thing, but let's talk about the game on the field. Cause honestly it was, was that and maybe one other really good football game this week um miles garrett um has been doing whatever he wants all season to whoever he wants uh yeah. it did not help that the rookie that the uh that the cowboys came out there and started a rookie to had to start a rookie tackle that game uh because it showed it showed miles garrett was uh, absolutely dominant in that game. And um, the Cowboys have had the issue that they have had all year. Their offense has been great. Um, Dak has been great. Um, like Dak Prescott in that game was phenomenal. Um, 41 to 58, 502 yards, four touchdowns, only one interception. Like, he was really, really phenomenal. Um, Let me ask you this about Dak's performance specifically, because we sure. saw a lot of this last year too with Dak, um, where in a lot of games they were playing from so far behind that they just had to pass to catch up. And you have defenses playing softer defense because of the leads that they had. Sure. Yep. So how much... <laughs> How much, how great of a performance is it really? Even though when you look at the numbers, you're going to be like, whoa, that's amazing. 500 yards, five touchdowns. Like you're going to see that as being amazing regardless of the circumstances, but the circumstances does matter in this case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will say, I do want to say like, it was a great game from Dak in the sense that, um, even with them knowing what was coming and I mean, Zeke Elliott wasn't really a factor with them getting down, um, you know, so, so early, like uh, right there in the second quarter, 
um, was kind of where it started to snowball because they had a lead going into the second quarter and then everything just blew up. <laughs> um, but, you know, just. Oh, God. Can you hear that on the Zoom? No. Oh, OK. Uh, Was oh I was so yeah we'll cut that part out, um so yeah Dak um you know he in those middle quarters when the Browns went on on that dominant run I mean Dak still looked okay but you're right he did started to pick up his performance when the defense softened up. But for him to still be able to go out there and be efficient, I mean, 500 yards is 500 yards on those numbers. You know, those are those numbers. But just you really wish that the the Cowboys defense would live up. And the problem is the Cleveland rushing attack had over, what, 300 yards rushing? And... Dallas's front seven is supposed to kind of be the strength of their defense. Yeah. Like they've got all those linebackers. They've got Demarcus Lawrence up front. Um they've got Everson Griffin. yeah, they've got Everson Griffin, Alden Smith. Smith. Yeah. Like they've they've got guys up front. Um and then Obviously, you know, Leighton Vander S, Jalen Smith, those guys in the middle, that you should not be giving up that those kind of rushes, uh rushing yards. And I don't care who the other uh running backs are. Uh granted, um Cleveland looks like they got the best backfield in football. Yeah. Um, because they got it from you know, early in the season it was Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Well, now it's Kareem Hunt. And Dearness Johnson. Uh, <laughs> that man's name is Dearness, by the and, way. And I got caught off guard. I saw D. Johnson, and I was like, Duke came back in Cleveland? Who is that? <laughs> I had to look, and I was like, oh, that's, that's Dearness. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that might be first team all name. Uh, <laughs> Dearness. Another thing about the Cowboys, too, offensively, is early on in these games, they're turning the ball over which is helping dig them into these holes. Like Zeke had a fumble uh, early in yesterday's game. He did the same thing when they played, uh, who was that, Seattle. He had a fumble, maybe two early in those games. And Dak, too. Dak had a fumble in that game as well. Um, So that definitely doesn't help. Like you said, they have supposedly this great defensive front seven, and they're getting ran on by the third and fourth running back on depth charts. Yeah, that 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 simply can't happen. Um so, you know, while that game was enter- it, that game was really entertaining. It wasn't very good, but not yeah. a lot of other games were even very entertaining this weekend. True. Uh very I thought true. um like, you know, there was no suspense in in, in Broncos Jets or um you know, uh, Seattle, Miami, um, the, the 
Baltimore only other game that really caught my eye was uh, Chargers Buccaneers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one was good because that was yeah. a come from behind, nice come from behind win uh, for Brady again. Yep. Um, and, and it was, I mean, in, and it was another good display for Justin Herbert. It was, yeah, he played well. He played really well, but Tom Brady down the stretch was Tom Brady. Yeah, of course. Um, and and part of that, I mean, not part of that, but uh, something that went against the Chargers was after they lost Austin Eckler early in their game, they didn't have a run game at all. Uh, Herbert ended up being a leader rusher with 14 yards. So <laughs> that, re- that really killed them because you definitely not winning like that. No. Against no, for sure. damn near anybody. Yeah, and then just not being able to to do anything to keep Tom Brady off the field. Yeah. That just... Uh, Even as he was losing receivers and targets, you know, he's one of those that's going to make the best out of whatever's out there. Um, But <laughs> it's so funny that the Chargers... It just it just feels like you thought it was Philip Rivers' fault at one point, right? But it's not Philip Rivers. It can't. It's it can't. It's not him. It's, it's both of them. It's both of like, them because because I look at Philip Rivers on a Sunday and he's still down in the fourth quarter with two minutes left with the ball. <laughs> like, oh well, that looks familiar. So that's that's still that's still going on, but it's still going on in in with the charges as well. <laughs> um, man, has that been the case? I have. I have to look at the the Colts games not, and how they played out this year. But I don't feel like that's not been the this case. last game. Not this last game for sure. But the previous two weeks, that was the case for sure. <laughs> I was looking, and it was four. No, man, they beat the Jets thirty six seven, and they beat the Vikings twenty. When was what was thirty six seven? What week was that? That was week three. They haven't had a close game since week one, which they lost to the Jaguars. So I must twenty eight eleven. Yeah, so I must just be carrying over week one. Yeah, you just you just keep having them doing week one over and over because they they've been they've been good. Like I said, the defense has been amazing these past two weeks. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's absolutely um the Chargers where every Sunday um you can tune into a Chargers game and there is drama because they're going to be driving down the field um you know with two three minutes left to go down one possession um at least there's more optimism now with (laughs) Justin Herbert being the quarterback and of course they're still missing Joey Post is not playing Melvin Ingram's not playing Derwin James isn't playing so that, of course, isn't helping them at all. Yeah, um, so I mean, they'll figure it out. Um, yeah, for sure. Justin Herbert looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm very surprised. Like Joe Burrow looks pretty good. Justin Herbert looks pretty good. That's where it you know, is. We we haven't seen Tua yet. Um. But uh, and you may you not know, see Tua unless unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt this year. I think they do their best to to keep from having to put two out there this season. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm absolutely okay with that. 
Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else from the NFL, really, this week? Um, not, uh, not game. I mean, of course, we saw um, another game end up getting affected outside of the one we initially thought, which was the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Uh, we turned around and got Cam Newton getting uh, testing positive on Saturday and yes. turning that upside down. Um, uh, fortunately, they were able to still play. They just had to push the, the game uh, back a day. But that's that's your starting quarterback going out a day before you have to play football um, from something that's not an injury. Like he didn't pull his hamstring or or anything like that. Um, and that affected a game in which I feel like they could have won. Watching that football game, I feel like if Cam Newton was the quarterback, they could have won that football game. Uh, yeah, that that that's probably true. And then, I mean, you, you did have um, another game almost was hanging in the balance with, with the Saints game, Saints Lions. Yeah, with the false positive. Um, yeah. With the false positive, um, which – I don't know. You get any kind of positive, be it false or not. Um, yeah. We're not playing a football game today. <laughs> like, like, um, you know, that's a, hey, you know, everybody, let's just chill out for, for a bit kind of moment. But they went out there and did it. So I'm, uh, it's, it's what COVID is, the way that COVID is affecting the season has been interesting. It's interesting in, in, Real life is, and it's you know very also interesting for fantasy football players, right? Yeah, like that's a that is um, one of those situations where <laughs> you can't you can't predict that, and that's just another like yeah. Sometimes you see players go out with fluke injuries in practice and stuff like that, but that's rare. Um, but this COVID thing is a very like real concern, like like that you kind of almost have to have. Yeah, because it's not well, like um, players play with the flu all the time. You can you yeah. can't play with the coronavirus. You can't you can't play with that because uh, you're putting everybody else at a risk that could potentially be deadly for them. You know, right? Um, yeah, absolutely, and and it's, and it's just hard um to <laughs> what what I really want to say is people who put money on fantasy football and who bet money on games and, and those types of situations um coronavirus is is doing some damage to them too in their pockets yeah uh, so it just it feels like uh at least for gamblers um, I I would be, I'd be chilling on 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 betting on the NFL this year. Um, and if I was running a fantasy league, I'd just be like, y'all, we playing for funsies this year, because <laughs> it's 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 not fair. No, it's a weird type of type of season. 
and, and they're the reason why they're gamblers. They they enjoy that. They willing yeah. to take those type of risks to to yeah, to, to to get some type of reward out of that. And that's that's how I know who the real degenerates are. Like, <laughs> oh, you you betting on that and this? Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Um, we so, um, go ahead. Um, just some other things. Another thing that's standing out to me um, this year is you don't usually have this many bad teams that are just like, yo, this team is real, real bad. Um, And you have a lot of teams that are either bad or underperforming. Like the Falcons uh, haven't won a game yet through four weeks um the vikings and the lions are both one and three through four weeks um the uh the giants haven't won a game um nobody in that entire division has more than one win this season with the eagles the only one not being one and three they because they got they got a tie yeah right um, the Chargers are one and three. The Broncos are one and three. The Texans haven't won a game. The Jaguars are one and three. The Dolphins are one and three. The Jets are haven't won a game. And what's and, crazy about that to me is that I don't think any of those teams are bad. I think they are underperforming, as you said, or the injuries have gotten to them. The Jets are bad. The, the Jets, Jets, you can make a case for. There's two teams I feel like you can make a case for. The Jets and the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles are good at the all. The Giants aren't good either. The Giants' defense is good. The Giants have sure. a defense. Yeah. That is, like, like I see, if I can see a bright spot in your team, then you're not hard. This, this, oh, like, well, I mean, every the Giants, team has the Giants a have a good spot. defense, and they lost Saquon Barkley. Like, what they going to do at this point? You lose your best. De- you lose your, you lose your best player on offense, and then you. But you have a good defense. Yeah, they, you're right. They don't. They don't have. They don't have a chance. They and that's just like Washington. Washington has one of the best defenses I've seen this year, but they have the one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen this year. Like he can't. He can't not turn the ball over, and yeah. that's taking them completely out of games that they honestly should be winning. Yep. Um, like you said, the Jets and the Eagles, you could definitely make arguments for those two teams. Atlanta, we we've known for years that Atlanta has the talent. It's something above that now. <laughs> like it's something above that. Um and we talked about the injuries for the Chargers. Uh the 49ers at this point are underachieving, but that's because of their injuries. Yep. Um and Minnesota, I don't know what, I don't know what to chalk that up to, honestly. I don't know. Um, sound like a a coach might need to move uh, <laughs> there. Um, which is, hey, uh, speaking of coach firings, um, Bill O'Brien finally out in Houston. Um, I man, I just, I felt like. I told you I thought that the Texans had one of the worst off seasons that 
a team has had in a while in terms of like we made a move or a series of moves and everybody was like what in the hell are you doing um and you say oh that's on the gm well guess what the gm in this situation is also the coach um which i feel like should never be the case um it's hard to come to compartmentalize yeah Um, very 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 rarely is that able to be looked at as being a good decision in any um, sport yeah um but you know especially in football like football you have to see so much more as both the head coach and a general manager because you're not just looking at you know um 10 positions uh or, or you're not looking at five positions um you know like in basketball or like 11 uh you know you're not looking at at the nine on baseball diamond like you're not looking yeah. at the small uh small amount of positions so you got to there's a bunch of different skill sets that you have to constantly be monitoring and understanding and figuring out what fits your system um and then while also being entrenched in that system as the coach <laughs> right so yeah. you know uh if i w- like i want 100% a coach and 100% a gm and the only way to do that is to get two different people um so he just made some very head scratching moves um not just last off season but uh even like the the off season before and the during the season leading up um you know, getting rid of, you know, a guy like Davian Clowney, um, who has now become like a journeyman, which is just that quick. <laughs> right? Uh, and he's like an elite journeyman, but he, but he's like like the like Ndamukong Sue, right? Um just he's definitely someone who wreaks havoc wherever he goes, but he can't seem to stay anywhere long. Um so but you know um DeAndre Hopkins, which is a player that a lot of people consider um best wide receiver in the league. Um and if if not the best up in, in the top three. Yeah. Um so uh that, and then like you get back not very much for him. You give up a bunch of draft picks. Um you just he didn't do a good job at all. And I'm I, I'm not one of those people who roots for coaches to lose their jobs. Um, but he he had to go. And I'm not a Texas fan. He just – that team has too much talent to be this mediocre so consistently. And this year, they're just flat out bad. And DeAndre Hopkins was the final straw for him. Like, everything else, obviously, he could survive. You'd be like, oh, okay, you did this, but – you still got enough to, you know, you you still are doing uh, a decent enough job, especially when they keep making the playoffs. Um, so some of that stuff you were able to excuse, but when you trade away, like you said, a top three wide receiver, and now you your quarterback has nobody to throw it to, and you start off a season only four, well, you your made Your quarterback the, that you just paid a bunch of money who now has no weapons. Yeah, you've made the <laughs> ultimate mistake, and now you got to pay for it. 
Um, so looking at him being fired, which honestly, I, I had him being fired. Um, I didn't have him being the first coach being fired. There's a few coaches around the league right now uh, that I'm looking at and I'm saying, man, I don't see them uh, making it past this season. I don't, I, I don't see too many of them getting fired in the midst of the season just because it's hard regardless anytime you fire a coach. If not, it's usually not too much that's going to be able to change within a season but especially this season with the pandemic um, yep. and things like that being slowed. But yeah, he was definitely one. Uh, Matt Patricia is another one. We talked about Detroit earlier and yep. their woes so far. Um, uh, what were my other two? Adam Gase, we just talked about the Jets <laughs> and how poor and how poor of a team they are. And the other coach for me was who was the other coach for me? It's gotta be Dan Quinn. Yeah, it was Dan Quinn. It yeah, has Atlanta. to be Dan Quinn yeah. because Dan Quinn. uh that that just is that's not making sense to me. But I would have fired Dan Quinn um right after that Super Bowl. I know it was the first year and it was like, yay, at least we got here and we were yay, but Look, if you can't win that game, you can't win nothing. So we don't even need to waste your time or my time. Um, you can go. Especially with him supposed to, you know, he was supposed to be the defensive guru. Yeah. That was supposed to be his thing. And then, you know, you constantly blowing leads. Um, I don't know. I feel like if you got those kind of leads and you a defensive guru, you shouldn't be giving them up like that. Um, and if you are, then maybe it's time for somebody to uh, somebody to go. Uh, so and it's and it's always hard when having those conversations because just like the Super Bowl, I give as much blame to uh, Shanahan as I do to Dan Quinn during that game. Because you get up at, with twenty eight to three and can't score no more. We can't. We can't run the football. We can't chew clock. We can't do none of that. So, but as we've from there to here, now we've gotten to a point to where two consecutive games you giving up huge leads uh, and losing football games, which is telling me one that you don't have a, a bad football team because you're getting up by this many points. Now, the question is, how do you, as like you said, a defensive guru, end up giving up all these points on the back end of these games? And to let it happen once is one too many times. To do a back-to-back is a fireball offense. Yeah, but I, I always um, – it kind of bothers me how much uh, coach shuffling happens. Uh, just in general like we've we've gotten to this point where we're very like a microwave culture so we want people to come in especially in professional leagues where there's not as wide of a talent gap it tends to seem but from team to team you know we want coaches to come in and and win instantly and you know you you have a very very short window to Mm -hmm. um get a system in place uh find a rhythm um, you know, and, and just kind of 
really coach with some job security, which might allow you to coach a little bit more freely, take a little bit more chances, you know, be a little bit more creative. Um, so it, it, it's it's weird, um, the position we see a lot of, you know, people in. Like, I don't know how much longer Anthony Lynn has in in L.A. with the Chargers. Like, it, if they don't turn that around quickly, I don't know if he makes it past this year. Um, Mike McCarthy in Dallas, he just got there. Um, and he took he, – he's taken over a team that is supposed to be – that was supposed to be just ready to take the next step. Like, uh, most of the country felt like, hey, the Cowboys are really just – a coach away uh, right yeah uh, and he takes that job and they're they're sitting there at one and three and um do they have some time to turn it around sure um but if they don't does he get another year did you, did you give him two years taking over a ready-made football team in this environment um so I, I'm yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, uh with and, and then he's like an established coach. Like you know yeah. what Mike McCarthy is. It's not like you went got a young guy or a guy that's transitioning from a college game to an NFL game. No, Mike McCarthy's been around, he's coached good teams, um, and he is not winning. And so you can't sit there and even really are you even afforded the luxury of having patience with Mike with Mike McCartney with Mike McCarthy um because he is not a young coach or a newer coach um that could develop into a much better coach at some point and that I agree with you I I hate to see a coach get brought in especially a first time head coach get brought in and then get pulled two years into it. Like it, it takes, it takes at least three seasons usually to get a team to where a head coach needs it to be from where he gets it. Especially when most of the time when coaches are being replaced, these are bad teams. Um, yeah. But it's also those three years can go by quickly. Like when you see like a Matt Patricia, I think th this is his third season now um, in Detroit. And then you look at people like um, Anthony Lynn or Dan Quinn. And like I say, it, it always depends on the situation and how, how much, how much rope these owners or these GMs are giving these people. Because when you look at, at Atlanta, well, the past two years, the excuse has been so many injuries, especially on defense. Okay, even this year, they're dealing with a lot of injuries on defense. Well, how long are you going to let that injury excuse extend Dan Quinn's state? And the same thing for Anthony Lynn. You know, okay. Joey Bosa missed a whole season. Melvin Ingram missed a whole season. And now both of those guys are hurt again. Derrick James is hurt. Well, how long do you let old? all these players are injured be, be the excuse to keep them around. And with Dallas, like you say, you know what Mike McCarthy is. 
You know what yep. he is. And if you're Mike McCarthy right now, you're saying, well, I'm doing my job. We averaging how many points a game? That's what I'm here to do. So don't look at me. Let's look at this defensive coordinator we got down here, and let's figure out that. So I, I definitely – the only way I can see Mike McCarthy being out of a job within a year or, or, or even two is if Lincoln Riley is ready to make that jump to the NFL. That's yeah. the only way I see Mike McCarthy get pushed out anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, so going from the NFL coaching carousel to the NBA. Yeah. Right after Denver came back on the Clippers, I asked you if you thought Doc Rivers would get fired. I don't remember what your answer was. I think it was the same as mine, which was I didn't see it as being likely. Um, yeah, that was exactly what it was. Um, I, I didn't think that you could. I, Doc Rivers just it, it doesn't seem like he's a guy that you fire in that situation. Um, but I understand why he was fired. Of like, course. Because I, I think if it was any other and again, was he because the way the way it came out, it felt like the team like they mutually parted ways. But so I don't know how much of that was he was forced out or yeah. he was ready to go. Um had Doc actually wanted to be there do you think Doc would still be there? No, because of what I've come across saying, Ballmer had already made the decision on Doc Rivers. And then he took that decision. Well, he didn't take his, well, maybe he did take his decision to Kawhi. And when that usually happens, for Doc Rivers to be fired now, that means Kawhi was like, hey, Whatever you feel, there wasn't no strong backing from Kawhi, I guess. For him to be fired, obviously there wasn't. Because it's hard for me to believe that Kawhi would sit there and be like, no, man, I really want to run this back with Doc. And he still end up being fired. Um, So Bomber's in a position where he's saying, man, I only have Kawhi and Paul George for two years. They, opt, they can opt out after this next season. I got to try to get a championship. Like, this is what I'm here for. And when you look at firing coaches, I always look at, okay, well, who better can you get? Yeah. And for the past 10 years, there hasn't been much better than Doc Rivers. There's nobody out there now to where I'm like, yeah, that's a better head coach than Doc Rivers. But like I said, I think it was a, a owner's decision of, yeah, we got to do something different for the sake of me keeping what this group that I have already. Yeah. And that, that definitely could play a factor in it. I didn't, I don't know if, you know, Kawhi and Paul George and all the rest of the guys. Well, um, I, honestly, I don't know how many of the rest of the guys are staying. Um, I was about to say, I don't think anybody's opinion matters, uh, but Kawhi's. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I don't know how much that that played into um, this. If Kawhi wanted him gone, if if I don't know really what, but um, he's already got a new job yep. out in Philadelphia, um, which I I kind of like the job for him. Um, I I thought that Doc needed to go to a young team that 
um, didn't really have expectations. Uh, there are some expectations on Philadelphia, um, but I feel like those expectations are a little bit undeserved because um, at, at one point, you know, the Sixers were a proud franchise, but uh, for the last 20 years, um, it seems like they've been pretty much a joke. Um, and so, uh, I, if he doesn't, I don't, I don't know how much it gets held against him, against him, because that's just not what they do there. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, they like they just don't they don't really win there. Um, and but he's gonna win enough. He's gonna perform well enough for them to always be in the conversation, always be a a tough second round out or maybe even get to a conference finals. Uh, but I don't think he's going to win uh, with that team. Um, but, you know, him getting a job um, and, and kind of being the first coach off the board, because um, do you think that the Nets take that guy, take Doc Rivers, if he gets fired a little bit earlier before they get Steve Nash? I don't. I think um, that hire, we didn't talk about that hiring on here either, but um, that hiring was something that I don't like for one, and we talked about this off air for sure. Um, it was the let's make sure our players are happy hire. Yeah. We're going to hire their friend. They didn't hire, to me, they didn't hire a head coach. They hired a friend. And yeah. it's the same thing that happened when Ty Lue took over for David Black. In this situation, it's a little worse because you have somebody who has no coaching experience at all um, being able to come in and take over a team, even over somebody who did a good job um, with that exact same team minus the Stars last season. Right. So I think that hire was coming regardless of who was available. Yeah, yeah. Um, you definitely could be right on that. And I, I don't think it's going to play out well because the difference between um, Ty Lue, the Ty, you know, the situation with Ty Lue is you don't have LeBron James. So LeBron James is a different kind of basketball player because he is like a coach on the floor. Like yeah. LeBron James is probably smarter about basketball than the majority of the coaches in basketball. Um, So when LeBron's like, oh, hire my friend to coach the team, is because, hey, I can also help run this team. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Durant, while I think in terms of talent and just like on the basketball court, might, especially at this juncture, be better than LeBron James. Um, at basketball, he is not smarter than LeBron James at basketball, and he can't run a team like LeBron can. Uh, nobody can run a team like LeBron can, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, and Kyrie, for damn show, ain't about to do that. And so um, it's it's weird because now you you don't have a coach and you don't have a player coach. Well, I mean, you might have a coach. Steve Nash might come out and be – prodigious right he might come out in his first season just let light the world on fire and 
maybe that happens, but I don't I don't see it. So I disagree with you about two things there. One is it not working. It's gonna work because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are gonna be the best duo in the East. And just off of talent wise, they're gonna be Easter Conference final, a uh, Easter Conference final team. And people will be able to see that as that worked. Um, I don't know why I said disagree with two things. The second thing is them being able to keep Jock Vaughn on that staff, even though they didn't give him the head coaching job. I feel like that was more important than them taking Steve Nash as their head coach, with being able to keep him on board even after passing him up for that job. Um, But not to get too sidetracked, the Philly thing, I do think that Doc Rivers will be assessed blame or success based on if he's given the opportunity to remodel this team, which is what is needed, in my opinion. It's time to, to me, it's time for Philly to make their decision on Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and yep. then and then design their team around whichever they choose. I don't think this Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid thing is, is I think that should be dead going into next season. So I mean, whatever yeah, you, you can't just run 50 big people out on the court every, every time you roll the ball out. I think you're going to win. like, And that's true, but the bigger point to me is the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. That's not a pairing that's ever going to be successful, in my opinion. That, that's bigger than whatever else you got on the team. Those two guys, that's not going to be a winning combination. So it's going to be interesting to see how much power they actually give Doc Rivers and if a deal comes along to where he's getting rid of one of these guys. Um, so the other teams that are looking for coaches still, so there's, there's teams that don't have coaches, the Rockets don't have a coach, the Pacers, the Clippers, uh, the Pelicans Pelicans. and the Thunder. Uh, And two other teams outside of Brooklyn had already filled their jobs. Uh, when Billy Donovan got fired, he went over to Chicago and Tom Thibodeau took over the Knicks. Yes. Um, so again, uh, I feel the same way about NBA coaches that I do about, um, NFL coaches. Um, but even worse, I think in the NBA, because honestly, there are very, there's maybe two guys in the league, um, that if you don't have a top five player, in basketball, you're probably not going to be in the finals and the expectations for a lot of teams are to be in the finals uh, all the time. Um, They're like, oh, we got all this talent. We've got, you know, all these good players. Yeah, but you don't have great players. Like, you don't have the great players. And it's always the teams with the great players that are in the finals. Um, This year, you have a team in the finals in Miami that doesn't have what uh, I don't think anybody would consider a great player, um, but they've got two really, really good players 
in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Um, and they got to go through an Eastern Conference that they only had to go through one great player in Giannis. Um, you know, Giannis doesn't have really a second guy. Chris Middleton's good, but he's not really the second guy that you would want for that type of superstar talent. Um, and then Boston, Jason Tatum, um, he's definitely well on his way, but he's not quite there yet either. Um, so Miami got a little bit lucky with just uh, the situation that they were in, um, especially, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie not being uh, uh, healthy in the East this year. Um, and then there's not really another guy in the East um, that you yeah. fear. Um, so that's how they ended up here. Um, but Eric Spoelstra is also the kind of coach that can take a team, just give me some good players and a good supporting cast, and he'll make the most out of it. There's not a whole lot of those types of coaches in the NBA, and there is definitely talent, a, a big talent gap, and there's some talent gaps that coaching just won't close. Um, and so for teams to be constantly firing coaches um, where the GMs are staying the same, I think it needs to be the opposite. I think, you know, more GM cycling probably could be done um, especially when you're seeing a GM constantly miss year after year, like your team's consistently bad. You're getting, you know, these higher draft picks and you are still bad. Um, so you're not building, um, you're not building anything. Uh, so I, I just, I don't, I, I would like to see um, a little bit less, of the coach cycling and basketball even more so than football uh, because I do think it's so much harder to win and I think the only way that you actually even do have a chance um, in this league if you don't have one of the top five or ten guys which you know most teams aren't because there's only five or ten <laughs> um then you have to have some continuity in both your roster and your and your coach and, and your organization, and no team is doing that. Like every team, um, oh, we're bad for a couple of seasons. We'll fire the coach. That that should be the first thing to go. Uh, and I just don't think that's the answer. So I agree with you in one spot, and I disagree with you in another spot. I agree with you that G that GM should probably be cycled through um, as a solution to uh, a losing problem as much as a head coach or even more so than a head coach. Um, I don't mind the cycling that happens um, in the NBA, mostly because the NBA is more so a talent, a talent based um, it's more about the talent on the court than it is about the talent on the field in the NFL. So mm -hmm. I, it's very few coaches that really tip the scale in the NBA. Um, 
when it comes to how much a team will win or win or will lose. After, once you name the top, top five coaches in the NBA, everybody else is interchangeable um, for the most part. And I mean, that's why you see so many repeats and stuff like that, not just because they have the best players or have great players, but because they have the best coaches. And it's um, only about five of them, like I say, who really tip the scale. It, do you even think there are five? Because I don't even think that there are really five. I, I, think, I think there's five. I think Popovich, Spostra, Popovich, um, Stevens, Steve Kerr. Kerr. I don't, if, if Brad Stevens isn't the coach in Boston, I think Boston is still what they are. I d- yeah, we disagree on that. I don't think they're um, making anybody's second round, uh, not e- uh, especially in that conference finals, with that roster and a lesser coach. I mean, I think we might disagree about the talent on their roster, then, um, because I think their roster is pretty talented. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, especially <laughs> especially given given the fact that when you look at when you look at Boston, it's not. Um, it, it's kind of always yeah. You can say something for Brad Stevens on the defensive end and what he does there, um, mm-hmm. because some of those guys are are, are somewhat overachievers. Um, but Boston's a matchup nightmare. Like Kimba's a really hard to guard player. Um, especially when his shots are falling, they had they weren't in the in the playoffs. But um, when his shots are falling, he's incredibly tough to guard because he's really smart. He makes good plays. Like Kimba Walker, throughout this playoff series, had a bunch of those should have been legendary. This is where amazing happens moments and then got canceled out by even more legendary moments 30 seconds later. Um, And for him to probably be the worst player in your starting five, well, Tice. Tice. Who who are they starting at power for? Jason Tatum. They They were starting... Tatum, Brown, and Hayward all together at one yeah. point. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You're Kimball Walker's, you're their worst player. No, uh, Marcus Smart is but, their worst player. No, sir. Yes. So, you're telling me that there's three coaches. You're saying Popovich, Spolstra, and Kerr. Kerr. Yeah. Those, those are the three that Hot. we saw. Maybe Doc Rivers. Maybe Doc Rivers. No, not Doc Rivers. Me and Sean um, had an interesting conversation about Doc Rivers recently. In, um, in a in a sense that I think that every team that Doc Rivers has had, regardless of their shortcomings, has been you can argue overachieved. Except, yeah, you can argue they overachieved because I don't think overachieved. Um. Please the tell Celt- me because he's never been to the conference finals with the Clippers. Yeah, but I don't think I don't I didn't think that the Clippers team was that good. 
Like, but like when you look at when you look at that roster construction behind those three players. Now, were they not that good because of Doc Rivers? I think they were not that good because of Doc Rivers, the GM, um, because that roster was pretty pitiful. And then the Clippers, after Chris, uh, you know, after the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin years, um, that team was way overperformed um, with the roster that they had. Like, what the last the last year team is yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, if you tell me that team overachieved, fine. But you can't tell me that any team he had with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, any of those squads overachieved. They underachieved. Every last one of them did. I mean, I think that's because there was more expectations around one. So this is a different conversation for a different time. But Chris Paul's a good player. Chris Paul's a great player. My, but, no, but before you even um, get into all of that, because we just we're talking about coaches who, who yes, we're t- he's not that coach. Obviously, so you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You are right. There are three guys. There are three guys. Coach, like I say, I say four: Popovich, um, uh, Popovich, Spostra, Kerr, and and I say Stevens. If, if you want to make an argument for Brad Stevens, like I. Oh, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse. Yeah, I I I'll roll with Nick Nurse. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna say Nick Nurse. So that would is, give me five. Nick Nurse is what people think Brad Stevens is. Is he though? Yes. Because the difference between Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens is one finals where he had one of the top three players in the NBA. I mean that's the difference between this, them. <laughs> this year's finals. Um, Austin had the far, I think, the far superior team um, in terms of talent, uh, top to bottom. I, yeah, I disagree with that. Um, like, uh, I mean, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry. He's fine. He's a good player. Um, oh, you talking about in that matchup in the Toronto Boston matchup? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, I, that's what yeah. I mean. I, I, I mean, like the, the Raptors, no, because I, I because think the, the Raptors, I felt like the Raptors were overmatched talent wise, and for that to be a seven game series, um, look, you know, give give it give it a little bit more even of a matchup on court, and uh, I think that's a six game series, Nick Nurse's way. Yeah, I don't think that they once again we said this when we first started to talk about Brad Stevens. You said that about how we disagree about the talent Boston has. Yeah. Um, which is proven true as we go back into a conversation about uh <laughs> into another matchup because I don't feel like Toronto was overmatched by them uh at all. Um, um talent wise. But um, once again, the difference between Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens is one championship, which was won by a top three player in the league. Sure. Which Brad Stevens has never had. That's true. Um, <laughs> so like that's the difference between them. So uh, in terms of these coaching vacancies, who are some coaches that you think um, that you think might get a shot? Uh, and are there is there anybody that you want to see in any of these particular places? So, 
D'Antoni is going to get another shot. For sure. Ty Lue is going to get a shot. Where? New Orleans, for sure. Um, we'll look at him as a coach, but I think he ends up taking over the Clippers job. I think Tyler will be the Clippers coach. Um, Dan Tony is an interesting one. I think New Orleans is the best fit for him. If he's going to be taking one of these open jobs right now, I feel like New Orleans is the best place for him. Sure. Um, I would love to see one of the Van Gundys back, um, but I don't think any job that's open right now is attractive enough for them to give up what they're doing now to coach again. Um, so I think the rest of those positions, the rest, um, the rest of those open positions will come down to um, assistance we haven't really heard of, or. I think Jason Kidd will have interviews once this finals run is over with. I think he'll end up, he may end up with a, a head coaching job. And then the other one or two positions will be filled by um, assistants that we may not know too much about at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see Dave Yeager get another shot. Um, I would like to see Dave Yeager get a shot with a team that's good. Um, because he is another coach. Um, you, you think about his Grizzlies teams were just, they kind of always seem to be, you know, somewhat in the mix, even in that tough Western conference, his Kings team was okay, but I think they wanted a little something different for as young as that team is. Um, but I feel like a, a veteran team, um, that has some talent would be good for him. Like, I think, I think that would be a good hire for the Clippers, honestly, a guy who, cause I think he fits in with a little bit of the personality of at least how that team's built right now. Right. Um, because, but you give him some offensive talent and it doesn't have to be grit and grind, even though that's kind of his specialty. Yeah. Um, I think adding some grit and grind, in the coaching style of that team with the players that they have, the, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, Pat Beverly, Matrez, Harold, those type of guys, Zubox. Like, I think that that would be a, a really, really good hire for the Clippers. The um, only, the only reason why I disagree with that about him is because of what we talk about all the time when it comes to hiring coaches in the NBA, the Kawhi, Paul George effect or the LeBron effect, or the KD effect? How much respect do they have for a guy who hasn't won anything or hasn't shown that he can win anything? So I think if, I think if a person like him gets another shot, it's probably best to be with a superstarless team, uh, the Pelicans, the Pacers. Because once you, once you yeah. get to, if, if your superstar doesn't respect your head coach then no one else will either and you know how these guys can be he can be decent for the pacers um what's interesting to me is who gets the rockets job who like, wants the rockets job i think it's who gets the rockets <laughs> job oh <laughs> at this point, when, when you look at that roster and 
what was and this was and this is why I made the argument right after they got put out of the playoffs that running back with Dan Tony, you've let him you've let him form this team in a manner that only he can do anything <laughs> with. Yep. So why let yep. him get to the point to where he's shipping out Clint Capella and starting PJ Tucker as center and then try to push that off on somebody nobody else who have any respect for themselves is going to want that because nobody can coach that team but that Tony man and it would be different if oh Russell Westbrook is a player who has some value he has no value and he's getting paid a ridiculous amount of money yeah his contract's too big you're not going to be able to move him man and he doesn't fit today's NBA they tried to move Westbrook to Miami and they also tried to move uh, Chris Paul to Miami, um, alongside with Jimmy with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, um, where you know it was gonna it was gonna be some combination of Dragic, Hero, Winslow, like some combination of young players back at the time, um, which you know I'm mm-hmm. very glad they didn't do because. You know, the win Justice Winslow was what got you Iguodala and Crowder, right? And then Tyler Hero and Bam Metabio have proven to be um Bam has proven like he definitely took a leap and then Tyler Hero has proven to be better than uh, I think anybody thought he would be come at least especially being the thirteenth pick uh in this year's rookie draft. So um uh but yeah, yeah. Something that so that's something to chew on. But uh, since we're now have brought up the heat, um, we have not talked since the the series started, right? Our last episode yeah, last, we did before. Two, right? Yep. But uh, I think uh, we both predicted that it would be two one by the time we talked again mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Uh, and that is where it is. But uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the series so far. Um, you know, with your team being up 2-1? Um, it's going a little differently than I, I thought it would have. I told you that I thought the Heat would be able to come out and get game one, but if not, game two is where they needed to get another win in order for it to go six, and that didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, I am convinced that this is a five-game series. Um, But the... Game one was the Lakers playing the best that they can, period, in general. Like, that's that's the best game that they could put forward. And if they come out there for four nights, that's a sweep. But we all know that that's not going to happen. The injuries that took place at game one then shaped game two. No Bam out of body, no Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, you know, playing on an ankle that's not 100%. Um, game three was interesting. It was, it was interesting because we talked about before the series, what the Miami Heat would need to do in order to have a chance. Uh And game three showed you what it is that they need to do in order to have a chance. And if not, have Jimmy Butler do everything, it's have those white guys, Kelly O'Lenick, Miles Leonard, 
out there keeping Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee out of the paint. Yep. Make them respect whoever your four and your five is and keep them out of the paint. And you couple that with eight turnovers in the first quarter for the Lakers and 18 turnovers, you know, in general with LeBron having the bulk of them in the fourth quarter, of course, you know, that, and then Jimmy Butler falling out of his mind the way he did. Yep. That's, that's how you see a loss. <laughs> like that's, it reminded me a lot of, it reminded me a lot of Allen Iverson when he got that game off for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. like, oh, he did that. So they won. Okay. I can see that. Will he do that again? No. Like that's, that's not going to happen again. Nor will Anthony Davis be off the floor a lot in the first half because of foul trouble and LeBron have seven turnovers or six turnovers in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, so I, I think um, I, I guess I'll work backwards because I'll, I'll react to the to, to this last thing that you said about this game. Um, I think that um, the Heat, after the first game, I do think the Lakers played as well as they could play. But I do think that a lot of that was the air kind of went out of the room for Miami pretty early um, because you know, they, they went up big early. Um, Bam gets in foul trouble. He's off the court. Now the Lakers start making their run. And while the Lakers are making their run and Bam's in foul trouble, Drogic gets hurt. And then, you know, Bam comes back and then Jimmy Butler gets hurt. And the team... It was over by that time. Yeah, it, it was. It was definitely... It was <laughs> over by the time that Jimmy Butler yeah. um, got hurt. Uh, well, actually, by the time Bam got hurt, Jimmy Butler got hurt first. Um, he got hurt right after Dragic did. Um, and then Bam got hurt. It was a 20, 30-point game at that point when Bam got yeah. hurt. Um, but um, the Dragic injury, you lose your best score in the playoffs or not if not your best score your most consistent um he was the leading scorer for that team in these playoffs mm-hmm. uh, and so you lose that guy uh when you actually do have this lakers team in a dog fight uh because when he goes out it's a five-point game and obviously the lakers had gone on their run came down from you know down what was it 14 um you know and that's kind of to be expected with Bam Adebayo on the bench and, and, and Spolstra hadn't decided to play Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard until very late in that game. Um, so, you know, you come back to be only down 2-1 after having those injuries. Uh, I think you have to be um, happy with if you're the Heat. Um, but I think after that game, um, they were kind of forced because Spolstra let Bam Adebayo sit out there for a long time, even when the game was way out of hand. Uh, like when he got injured, the game was way out of hand and he didn't play those other guys. And I wonder if um, that fourth quarter where, okay, you have to play Kendrick Nunn just because you're running out of bodies. You yeah. got to play 
Kelly Olenek, who hadn't played. They were giving Solomon Hill minutes before Kelly Olenek was getting minutes. You had to give him minutes. And the Lakers, for some reason, still had LeBron and Anthony Davis on the court uh, for a lot of that fourth quarter and a lot of that stretch when the game was clearly out of hand. And you saw the lead starting to tighten, even with those guys on the floor still playing basketball. Yeah, they weren't playing. They weren't as locked in because of the big lead. But you saw, oh, hey, well, if I have these big guys who are going to stretch the floor, oh, and also they move without the ball, which is not what Anthony Davis usually has to guard, right, on defense. He's a great defensive uh, player and a great rim protector. And he's even good on the perimeter. But you sit there and have him having to constantly guard somebody who's moving without the ball. Uh, And then they also, you know, can do some stuff uh, both away from the basket and near the basket. Um, You just make his life a little bit harder. Um, You know, we saw that game be tighter. Uh, It was a 10-point game, and it was not one of those like, oh, the game was super dominant by the Lakers, and then the Heat cut it to 10 late. Like, no, it was pretty much a 10-point game the whole game. Um, the Lakers got up 10 and the Heat were just never able to make the run um, to really get any closer than like uh, seven or eight. Um, and so it just kind of kind of stayed there. But they showed an ability to, to sit there and fight and hang around with the Lakers um, when the Lakers are playing good basketball. Um, and then game three, the Heat played great basketball um, and the Lakers didn't really play so well. Anthony Davis was kind of a non-factor, which I don't yeah. think we'll say ever again in this series. Yeah. Um, so interested to see what's going to happen moving forward. I mean, tonight you have Bam Adebayo who is going to play um, some. I don't know how much he's going to play or how effective he's going to be. Um, and Drogic, uh I think it was going to participate and shoot around and see if he could go, um, which I really don't necessarily need him to go. Um, yeah, I doubt. I doubt he goes. I'm, I'm okay uh, anymore at all. He's going to try because of who he is, and like you say, how well he's played up to this point. Um, but I absolutely don't see him playing no more this series. I mean, I, I actually do think that he plays this series because I do think it's going to be a longer series than you think it is going to be. Oh. Um, I, I do think, I do think it still at least goes six. And so if you get to a six game and he has an extra, cause remember after this game, you get three days. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if he has, uh, essentially another basically week of rest, um, and healing and treatment, can he go in a game six? Um, I think maybe so. Um, but you know, I think Miami um has shown enough to where if Bam isn't a liability, I I feel like they can get another game. If Bam can even be you know seventy five percent of himself with you know the injury that he has, I don't know how that's gonna affect his how much that's gonna affect his game, um being a, a neck strain. Um, so something in that next shoulder area, yeah. but it is also on his, on his offhand too. So, uh, hope, hopefully he can still, um, be 
great. And if he can't, I I trust Spostra to take him off the floor and get uh get uh get his white guys back in. So I feel like you're gonna disagree with me here uh, or disagree with what I believe uh, in this situation here, but you'd rather, I know it's crazy, but you'd rather have Bam back on the floor than run with the rotation y'all went with last game. Yes, I think I want Bam on the floor in place of the Solomon Hill minutes. So um, you, you still so, want to see the pairing of Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard. Um, yeah, I still want. I, I still want to see up the game. Yeah, I still want to see them. Uh, I definitely want to see at least one of them on the floor um, at all times. Um, and you know, ideally, uh, like I actually really like. Bam and Kelly Olynyk playing together against this Lakers team. I like the idea of it, rather, because we haven't gotten to see it. Um, I like the idea of that because the problem with the Bam-Crowder lineup that they run um, or Bam-Solomon Hill is you can't – Bam's only 6'10". Um, and so – if you don't have another guy that can get down there with Bam and also help bang and keep bodies off the boards, then you get destroyed on the rebounds. So while Kelly Olenek is not a great rebounder, he is a seven foot nice body who works hard on the offensive boards uh, and the defensive boards. Um, And, you know, then when it comes to being on the court, he can stretch the floor and, you know, Bam puts pressure on the defense in a different type of way um, than it would be to have both of those, both uh, Olenek and Leonard on the court at the same time. Uh, but, but defensively, that's still a nightmare. If you put Bam and Olenek uh, out there. I mean, but it's Bam and Olenek is going to be better Defense. Any situation where Bam is on the court defensively, you are better for. Um, I think. I think. I think the Bam Solomon Hill Bam J Crowder would still is way better uh, defensively than trying to have Olenek out there guarding um, Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard. Well, but then, but you lose. The problem is you can't lose that offense, like. You can't lose that offense because the problem is you get those guys working on defense and they're not quite as effective offensively, especially if you give them a few buckets, their confidence shrinks a little bit. But if they're like defensively, all they have to do is, is kind of rove and kind of help protect the paint and keep guys out and they can get a few tips here and there and they can, you know, do this and that. Then they get all this energy and start running the court and, that's when the alley oops start coming and like this, like and so, yeah. I I don't I don't necessarily think that you have to have the greatest defensive lineup out there because that hasn't been what has really kept you in the game um, in game two, um, and it's not what won you the game in game three. It wasn't the defensive the defense being so great, even though the defense was better. 
uh, like there was a little bit more defensive energy. It, the defense still was not great. The Lakers still got a lot of shots that they wanted to get. Um, but you gotta have that offense because you gotta be able to to score with the Lakers. Um, because you're not, especially if Anthony Davis is playing well, you're not going to you're not gonna beat them with defense. Like you're just not. You're gonna have to get timely stops. Um, and you're gonna have to keep them from going crazy. Um, but you're not going to like, oh, we won this game because we held the Lakers to 98 points. Like, I don't know how much. I don't know how much it's gonna happen, right? Yeah, I'm gonna say, of course not. Like, you're gonna you're gonna win by either encountering a Lakers team like you encountered in Game Three, who played horrible. Or by destroying them in from the three point line, and AD AD had a, a bad game earlier in the playoffs. I want to say it was against Portland, and the second the game after that, the aggression that he came out with was alone was too much for the team to 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 handle. So I like that's why I don't even I don't even give Miami a chance to win game four because I think that's what we're going to see. And as we discussed last week, if AD is in that zone, there's there's nothing you can do about him, like at all, regardless of who you got out there. But especially if what you have out there is a bad amount of Bayou, a, a bad amount of Bayou who isn't one hundred percent, and then you get Bayou, and then you get a Kelly Olynyk and a Myers Leonard. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, it it just uh, was announced Dragic will not be playing tonight. So uh, yeah. to me, that's good news. Uh, as a Heat fan, uh, don't want to see him out there hobbled. Um, so I actually think, uh, Kendrick Nunn is a better option. Uh, the, the one person who is just, I'm struggling with right now, Duncan Robinson, bro. Like Duncan Robinson just, he looks scared, man. (laughs) Like, supposed to look (laughs) Like, he just always looks scared. Like, he just looks terrified. Like, every time he gets on the court, it's like he thinks that LeBron is literally going to come and eat his children. Like, yep. um, like, and I just, it, you had a situation where um, that last game, I felt like he was more aggressive. I think that last game, game three, I want to say he took seven threes in the first quarter. But that was because Spostra, like, literally, like, yelled at him. Was like, yeah. shoot the fucking ball. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and he's just, he's he seems scared to shoot. And because he seems scared to shoot, he is not shooting it well. Yeah. Um, he's not shooting it well. And I don't know that, uh, actually, I know that. Uh, he can't beat that team uh, if he's not going to shoot well. Um, 
So how do you have tonight planned out? We're about 30 minutes away from tip off. How do you have this game playing out? Um, I think Miami comes in. Um, I think they are riding pretty high. I do think, you know, AD comes out with some intensity, but I do think that Bam on fresh legs um, might be uh, a little bit more, even with the injury, I think Bam on fresh legs, not play, not having played uh, for almost a week now, um, I think he's gonna come out and give some 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 issues, um, and I think that um, your shooters do enough. Um, yeah, I don't think that you see Tyler Hero play as inefficiently as he played last game. Uh, he yeah. ended up having a really good fourth quarter, um, but. Yeah, if Jimmy Butler is aggressive, which I think he will be, I think he realizes he has to be. Um, Jimmy Butler is aggressive. You get something from Bam um, to kind of anchor your defense. Um, you know, you have you do have the excitement of, hey, we got a game off this team when nobody thought we could get a game off this team with, you know, Adebayo and Dragic both being out. Uh, I think everybody at that point wrote the, the series off as a sweep. Um, I, I think that they have enough um, still emotional gas to get them through tonight. And then I think what happens is after the three day, the three day break, um, I think that the Lakers come out and uh, put their foot on the gas and run away with the last two games. And uh, of course, we'll we'll do another show Thursday before, uh, of course, game five, which would be Friday. Um, I kind of see it. I kind of see this going the opposite way. I kind of see LeBron James and Anthony Davis. LeBron, LeBron James. Let's let's start with him. I feel like he was embarrassed by the game uh, Sunday, and I think he's going to have it on his mind to to personally play better. And when he comes out with it on his mind to set the tone or to whether it's, oh, I'm, which I think in this case is going to be, I'm going out there, I'm going to get my shot early. I'm going to get to the rim early. I'm going to have um, a 15 point first quarter. And then we're going to go from there. Um, I think he's going to come out with that type of mentality. And then I also think that it's very important to Anthony Davis that he bounces back from what was a mediocre performance from him Sunday. I think I think this is one of those games where you look at it and you're reminded they still have the two best players on the court at all times. And I think that's uh, what what carries them to a victory tonight, and then we're looking at a closeout game on Friday. All right. Well, uh, it'll definitely be interesting interesting to see. Um, one of the things I know we said we were going to do, um, and so maybe we can do this on Friday, uh, 
do you want to uh, either get together and, and watch the game and maybe maybe stream stream that or uh, or you know get on Facebook Live and have a watch party uh, or Twitch or something like that. YouTube. Yeah, or something? we'll we'll definitely figure out which way to go about that. But yeah, um, even even beyond the show, once again, this is. This is something that you being a Heat fan and me being a Laker fan that we haven't experienced before um, to where we need to get together and be able to uh, watch it, watch at least one of these games together. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I, you know, I, and, and it, but even more so, you know, allow um, the people who are listening to the show um, mm-hmm. to just have some time to engage with us in real time and, and yeah. kind of see how we watch, uh, watch the basketball games. I'm gonna let y'all know. Uh, I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna be a little wild, and I'm gonna be a little stressed out, and I'm probably gonna be eating the whole time, because uh, I stress eat, and this team been stressing me out. Uh, and unfortunately, the whole finals I've been on this ten day smoothie cleanse, so I'm off now. Um, but even while I was on the smoothie cleanse, I was stress drinking smoothies. It was <laughs> <laughs> like my smoothie was always going way faster than it should have been because I was just like, no, I was just scared all the time. And you have to be against that. LeBron James is a scary person. He is a scary person to play basketball against. Um, and, and I am a pacer. Scary. I am a pacer and a cursor. I stand up for most of my games and I curse a lot. So there's that. Um, but hopefully these games go as I need them to go to keep my sanity. So we're not experiencing any of that. Um, y'all going to get to see one of us go crazy. Um, because even though I'm like resigned to the fact that the Heat are going to lose this series, yeah. it does not hurt any less Exactly. when we are losing. Like, it makes me just as mad. I don't expect to win, but it makes me so mad when we're losing. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be a crazy person. Uh, and if Sydney, if the Lakers start losing, Sydney's going to be a crazy person. Um, what I am hoping to see, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to put it out in the air. I'm not going to put it out in the air. All I'm get through tonight first. Huh? All I'm going to just say is... Um, the last time we was down 0-2, had a guy from Marquette in the finals uh, that also played shooting guard. Uh, we saw some things happen. So that is true. Uh, that that is true. This this ain't that. Uh, <laughs> Dirk, Dirk ain't Anthony Davis. Or Dirk is as great as he is. Ain't Anthony. <laughs> um and. Uh, Jason Terry was that the other <laughs> was that team um yeah that team Josh Howard was on that team yeah uh because Josh remember Josh, Josh Howard used to be pretty good that was a uh-huh. deep draft class Josh Howard if he hadn't gotten hurt would probably still be a pretty good player in this league and you talk about a draft class that was mellow LeBron, Melo, Bosch, Wade, uh, and Josh Howard were all in that draft class. And there I know I'm some missing some. Yeah, yeah. I'm missing some people. That, that that draft class was was pretty stacked. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's let's wrap this show up. This one's been long. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, longer, longer than expected too. When we looked at what we were going over, we we're like, "Yeah, this would be a quick little show." Yeah, we'll, we'll have to. We should cut some stuff out. So we'll find, we found some stuff. Um, but no, awesome, man. Um, yo, I just want to thank you. Like, this is third week doing this show with me and you. Um, yes. so I just want to thank you on air for the opportunity to come do the show with you because, um. You know, I listened to you and Sean do it for a while, and you guys did a great job. And so, I just hope that I'm able to um, continue to uh, fill that void of not yeah. having him. Um, but you know, also just uh, I I really am enjoying the conversation um, and the feedback, and so uh, just looking forward to to getting um, getting more in touch with the people who are connected to the show. Um, and so if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can find me on Twitter at I, at OMG It's D OMG It's D Glasper. Yes, OMG ITS D Glasper. And uh, my Twitter handle is at Sydney Henry I I I. And the Friendly Fire Twitter handle is Friendly Fire O Eight. We gotta find whoever has at Friendly Fire and pay them like $32 so we can get uh, get our Twitter handle. Uh, so uh, if anybody wants to track that person down for us, uh, let them know we got about $32 collectively between us that we can uh, send his way. And no I, got a gift card. I got a gift card to Chick-fil-A that is also his. Got your name on it. Uh, Alright, so uh, on to game four, and yeah. we will get back on here and talk and preview the NFL week five and preview game for uh, game five. Yeah, yeah game final. five, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's more. Hopefully, hopefully we, not. Uh, what are you doing? Hopefully, we, hopefully we want, as, we want as much, we want as much basketball as we can get. That is not true. Not as a Lakers fan. I want this over with. I want, I want game seven triple overtime. Nobody like, wants no. That that's the last thing I need in my life. I need I, I, I need I the Lakers that. to wrap this up Friday so I can just only be stressing about my Saints. I, I want I want it be, I really want it because I actually do think that uh I do think the Heat are gonna add a player next year to go yeah. along with Jimmy Butler. And you have a roster out there that has Jimmy Butler, uh, Bam Adebayo, another star, and Tyler Hero with another, you know, offseason of growth. Um, I think that team is a team definitely, no matter how talented Kyrie and uh, KD are, I do think that's a team that is a contender and potentially back here next year. And that's um, and something, I, and then I think the Lakers are back here next year. Um, that's something we will uh, absolutely have to discuss going forward too, because I wanna, I wanna pick your mind about who you think that player may be, and if that player is a player that gets acquired via free agency or somebody you have to actually make a move for. So that's something I definitely want to talk to you about going forward too, just to see. Yes, you want to add another player, but if it can't be through free agency, what are you willing to part ways with in order to get such a player and still be able to make it back here 
um next year at this time well hopefully not well yeah next year will be again this time so yeah yeah so let's uh let's wrap up here and again uh thank y'all for listening thank y'all for uh, tuning in and we will talk to y'all in a few days absolutely what's up everybody Check out Friendly Fire every Thursday as we discuss the latest and most intriguing topics in sports. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at Friendly Fire 08.